0: the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Is uh, preparation for worship. So I've been thinking about that, meditating on that. Um, And I guess it was kind of born out of um, last Sunday's messages, sermons. Um, I'm not sure why, but I guess it was a very good foundation, I think, um for what i have for worship um when randall was sharing last sunday about hunger and thirst for righteousness somehow i don't know the idea just came to me preparation for worship it's very very good for me to look into that what is preparation for worship how do we prepare for worship Um, So I have a few questions that um, I have here that I'd like to go down over. First of all, what is worship? Um, They say to understand something, you need to ask the right questions. I'm not saying this is the right questions, but I think it's good to ask questions and look look for answers in God's word. So what is worship? Um, Let's see, what else? Oh, who, who should worship or who is eligible for worship or to worship? And then where and how do we worship? There's many more questions that we could ask, I'm sure, but that's maybe kind of the outline of um, what I would like to talk about this morning. So true worship, I believe, is is an attitude and a reverence to the Lord. An adoration directed only towards the one supreme God. We believe that there is one God, and that he is Lord and King of all, and he deserves our worship. We have reverence for him. The Modern Dictionary, uh, I just looked it up, as you know, in today's definition of worship. And I liked it. Um, That brings out a little bit. To regard with great or extravagant respect, honor, and devotion. Extravagant. (laughs) We're not called to be extravagant in this world, but we are called to be extravagant in our worship of the Lord. So what is worship? Maybe that's a little bit of definition a little bit of definition to worship, um, there's also a false worship. um, One that the Lord abhors. He hates pretense or hypocrisy in worship. It is a very um, serious thing. The Pharisees um, had lip service and he said, in vain do they worship me teaching for doctrines and commandments of men. They um, had lip service so that they look righteous to man, or so they looked like to others um, that they were worshiping the Lord, but they were only doing it because they knew they were supposed to and so that they would look good themselves, and they weren't actually doing it from the heart. And that was a false worship. That was not actually worship at all. <laughs> it was hypocrisy. So true worship. We want to have true worship in our hearts. Um, In Leviticus 10, there were two men that were struck dead from the Lord because they offered strange fire to the Lord. Nadab and Abihu. And after that, after they died, and... um, yeah, pretty soon, right, like right after that, Moses says unto Aaron, I think it's, um, I guess you can correct me if it's wrong, I didn't really look this up, but I'm pretty sure Nadav and Abihu were Aaron's sons. And Moses said that you're not supposed to mourn for them because they offered strange fire, and this is God's judgment. And then Moses said, this is it that the Lord spake, saying, I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me, and before all the people I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. It's just the, um, the uh, sovereignty of God and the absoluteness that he will be glorified in those that come nigh, nigh him. And he is not um, going to spare those that um, pretend to have worship. So who should worship or who is eligible to worship? Everyone will someday worship the Lord. It says that very clearly. Um, Every knee will bow to me, and every tongue confess that he is Lord. Isaiah 45, it says, Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is none else. I have sworn by myself, the word is gone out of my mouth in righteousness, and shall not return. It's very sure. There's no going back on it. He is the Lord. There is none else. And then he says that unto me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear. He says to him every knee will bow to him someday. So who is who will worship? Everyone will worship it someday, at the end of time. Um, in Revelations 15, just another place where it says everyone will worship. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy, for all nations shall come and worship before thee, for the judgments are made manifest. There, where uh, Jacob read in chapter 7, just before where he read, uh, is talking about the elders and I think the four beasts. And um, it's kind of interesting, I think, 7, chapter. 7, 11, and maybe in 14, um, it talks about these elders falling down and worshiping the Lord. So one time it talks about these elders worshiping the Lord. And then when the beasts fall down and worship the Lord, these elders fall down as well and cast the crowns before the Lord. And then there's another time where it says that the beasts worship the lord and the elders fall down and worship the lord and the angels around the throne worship the lord it's kind of interesting three different times it talks about the same seem like the same group of people fall down and worship the lord and that is when when they praise him and one time when the seal when a seal was opened and they just had this total reverence and awe before god for thou art holy i could just turn there really quick um Y'all can turn there, too, if you'd like, Revelations 7. Actually, first, let's go to chapter 4, verse 8, starting in verse 8. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Um, I'm not sure if this is where we were talking about in our cell group or not, but Andrew brought out the idea that when it says, holy, 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 maybe in this passage or maybe in another passage, it was like the beasts were saying to each other, holy. The other one would respond, holy, holy, holy is the Lord, which was and is and is to come. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. Then in uh, chapter 11, This is when the seals were um, seals were broken. Chapter 11 verse 15 and the seventh angel sounded and there were great voices in heaven saying the kingdom of this world are, be- are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. And the 4 and 20 elders which sat before God on their seats fell upon their faces and worshiped God saying we give thee thanks o lord god almighty which art and wast And art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. I think there's another place, too, but I won't take time to turn there. Um, But these elders, four and twenty elders, fall down and worship the Lord when they see how great and mighty he is. Thou hast taken unto unto thee thy great power. So, if um, all the nations, going back to who should worship or who is eligible to worship, if all nations and people will worship the Lord, what's the deal now? Like, we will all worship the Lord someday, so why do it now? (laughs) Let's maybe kind kind of know the answer to that. But it's because of the huge separation between Christians and the world. So that's the difference. I believe that is the difference because we worship God now, and they worship God then. And um, they, maybe they'll worship God, but they'll worship him in fear because their sins have not gone beforehand to judgment. They have not been washed in the blood of the Lamb. The huge separation between Christians and the world is a difference of faith. We believe, and therefore we worship. We believe things that are not seen. We believe that there is a God. It takes faith. We believe that there is a God. We believe he is glorious. We believe he deserves to be worshiped. That's why we worship him now, because we believe and we believe in God's sovereignty, that he does all things well. And when we come to that realization by faith, we will worship him. And he will bring us great peace and rest. We are people who worship God. So who is eligible to worship? Uh, Psalms has a very well-written uh, Passage or phrase on the topic, he says, Psalms twenty four, Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who shall stand in his holy place? That sounds like somebody who desires to worship. He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from God of his, the God of his salvation. This is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face, O Jacob, Selah. So who's eligible to worship? He that has clean hands and a pure heart, purity of heart, truth, and not in pretense. So preparation for worship, um, I guess we just kind of covered one thing. We must have a clean heart, and holiness within. we can't um, regard sin in our lives and yet pretend and yet try to worship the Lord, because He sees us, He sees through us. He sees every intent of our heart. and He does not. Uh, accept worship if we regard iniquity in our heart. So, um, I'm just going to go over some of the points. I really wanted to listen to last Sunday's messages again and get them refreshed, but uh, I didn't. Um, I just, but I just want to rehearse some of those points that were shared. Uh, hunger and thirst after righteousness. What does it look like to be hungry and thirsty for righteousness? In my life. So, this is thinking about preparation for worship. How do we prepare for worship? We need a hunger and thirst after righteousness. And evidence is we are hungry, a love for the Word of God, loving to spend time with God. How would we worship Him if we don't spend time with Him? Free from the tug of the world. Because we are satisfied in Christ and our lips showing forth God's praise. And then um, last Sunday, what Earl shared, just a few little points. I think probably missed some of them, but um, the ones that I had down the holiness, he talked about the holiness of God. And when we see God's holiness and what it does in us, we become slow to speak. Sin becomes exceedingly sinful. We will love righteousness and hate iniquity. And this is, um, this all happens when we behold the glory of the Lord with an open face. We see the Lord's glory. So we must have a clean heart and holiness within um, and a reverence for God. So now I would like to look at a few uh, uh, examples of people who worship the Lord and maybe how they prepared their hearts or what caused them to worship. So uh, the first, there's a few different, actually there's sort of two different um, different. Things That seemed like maybe one ultimate thing, but two, uh, maybe I would kind of look at them a little bit different, two things that made cause people to worship. Um, Isaiah, like we heard last Sunday, got a glimpse of God's glory, and that caused him to worship. He fell down on his face and worshiped the Lord. He said that he was undone. A glimpse of God's glory, of simply who he is, prepares us for worship and normally we don't see him with our eyes and so that comes by faith when we understand when we understand and take time to meditate on God's glory when we have an open face and behold the glory of the Lord we are changed um i think of moses when he got a glimpse of God's glory up in the Mount of Sinai, we see the tables of stone. There's, he saw the Lord's glory a lot of times. Um, and he worshipped. Already mentioned Isaiah and the elders there in Revelations. When they saw a glimpse of God's glory, they worshipped. And also I thought it was interesting, uh, the Israelites as a people group i guess i thought of it kind of as us as a church um they were a group of people there's a few different places where it says that they worshiped the lord it wasn't just a one person thing which it needs to be personal to us but also can be corporate a corporate body worshiping the lord um the israelites when solomon prayed after he basically did a ded- dedication of the temple, when he made the temple and it was all finished, and he prayed, and the glory of the Lord came down into the temple. The people worshipped the Lord. I wish I had to have um, the passage written down, but I don't for that. Um, also, when Ezra, I think um, when he was bring, bringing uh, the people back to... Um, or it's kind of like a restoration of Israel. And then Ezra opened the book of the law and was reading out of it all the people. well, So we gathered all the people in. Maybe they just came. I'm not sure how it happened. But it, was, it seemed like there was a big um, street. It was packed full of people because they wanted to hear the word of the Lord. There was a hunger and thirst after righteousness there. And when he opened the book of the law... Which it seems like, you know, we think of the Old Testament, like, if, what if I would just read the law? Would that inspire worship in us? It seems like, you know, there's much more um, powerful things that we could read. But the Israelites, when Ezra opened the law, the book of the law, they all stood up and they worshiped the Lord together. That was kind of, that was very interesting to think about in relation to this okay so one one way of um that brings worship up to the lord from us is a glimpse of his glory which i think that's the ultimate thing um but also there's another thing that i would call a faith worship which i kind of mentioned to mentioned already uh worship because of faith because of knowing god understanding who he is and believing it wholeheartedly and this faith worship shows itself in amazing ways um, You know what is faith if it doesn't if there's no outworking of it we so there's lots of things that people worship um not necessarily just the not just God, but there's other things that people worship. maybe they don't actually call it worship but they you know um They think about it a lot. And somehow, how would you know if somebody likes another person except that they talk about them? Or like the courting couples, you know, you probably think about each other quite a bit. (laughs) And it shows itself in a lot of ways, like, you know, talking pretty much. And being together is evident. And so should we... To the Lord, when we uh, worship Him, when we th- we worship Him, we think about Him, and it comes by faith because we can't see Him like we can see each other, but we know and believe that He is God and that He is glorious and that He is worthy of praise, worthy of worship, of adoration. There's one definition that I forgot to say. Um, one person, maybe more than one person, but I remember one person that says worship is to bow the knee. That's what worship is, to bow the knee in relation to singing. <laughs> so there's evidence of worship um, in Abraham in Genesis 22 when, he, um, when God told him to go and sacrifice his son. He rose up early and went. That was the evidence of his faith in God and of his worship. Um, and he took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went into the place which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass. And I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Maybe worship isn't evidence of faith. Maybe we should say it that way. Um, but because Abraham worshipped the Lord, he took action. Also, Hannah in First uh, Samuel, when she was praying for a son... This is really interesting, Um, because I think it was Eli, marked her and said that she was moving her lips, but she wasn't talking. So he thought that she was drunk, but she was like, no, I'm not drunk. I have not drunk strong drink. Um, For out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let the handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. And they rose up early in, in the morning and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to their house to Ramah. So how come? So when she was praying, then Eli said, you know, after the conversation, Eli said, Be it unto you as your desire, you have asked of the Lord. And she believed it. She, her countenance wasn't sad anymore, and they worshiped the Lord because of her faith, because of that she believed that this would happen. Just so beautiful. And Abraham also uh, worshiped because he believed that him and Isaac would come back again to the young men that he left there. So when we believe, when we see God's... um, God's power, and when we believe that he will perform the things that he says, we will worship him. I think that will cause worship in us. These people saw the Lord's glory through the eyes of faith. Worship as the acknowledgement of God's sovereignty, maybe kind of under the, um, the heading of a faith worship. Um, as an acknowledgement of God's sovereignty, that He knows best what's, what's best for me, for my life. And there's two or three, I'm just going to look up two here, um, examples of people who recognize this in the face of death. Um, it was interesting. I was just looking this up uh, when I got word that Laverne passed away, and it's like, it's very interesting. Um, these two men, when death came, it caused them to worship. How is that possible, except that we believe God and his sovereign plan for our lives? So David, when his son was sick, David was very anxious, and he laid on the floor and would not eat, would not drink, and he was very sad, and his countenance was... Um, he was very disturbed, I guess. He was asking the Lord to save his son. He was very sick. It says the Lord struck the son with sickness. Um, but when he realized the and accepted the finality of God's sovereignty, he worshipped the Lord. It says, then David arose from the earth. Well, after... Um, he had seen his servants whispering, and he said, what does this mean but that my son is dead? So he asked him, and they said, yes, his son is dead. Then David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself and changed his apparel and came into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he came to his own house, and when he required, they set bread before him, and he did eat. So it is strange, isn't it, to the world's eyes? When there is death, we worship the Lord. Also, Job is a very, a very um, stark example, I guess. When all these bad things were happening to his earthly goods, his sheep and his camels and pretty much all that he had, and then, well, the last one was yet speaking, or the next to last one, there came another one and said... "'Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine "'in their eldest brother's house. "'And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness "'and smote the house, and it fell upon the young men, "'and they are dead, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee.'" Can you imagine how detrimental that would be? You feel like you have nothing left. "'But then Job arose and rent his mantle "'and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground "'and worshipped and said, "'Naked came I out of my mother's womb,' and naked shall I return thither the lord gave and the lord hath taken away blessed be the name of the lord it says he didn't come with anything and he won't take anything with him he believed god's sovereignty in his life and he saw um, things that were not seen <laughs> he understood things that were not seen so where and how do we should we worship Um, in John St. John turn there with me if you'd like John 4 can't talk about worship without going here and looking at this passage uh, about the woman of Samaria and the Lord Jesus um conversation with her um, so they were talking back and forth talking about the water of life and the woman was still thinking the natural how are you going to draw water if if you don't even have a picture Jesus um, draws her attention to the unseen the spiritual um, and then in verse 20, it says, Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. So all of a sudden she brings up this topic of worship because I think in essence if, nobody, if, we, if people don't have anything to worship or anything to live for, maybe we wouldn't say worship as that seems kind of strong, but um, if they don't have anything to live for, I think that's um, what happens. Um, white people commit suicide because they don't have anything to live for. We need something. So this lady was saying, our fathers worshipped in this mountain and you say that in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither eat in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the father. So he's talking about place or where we should worship. But actually he's saying where we won't worship we don't have to, we won't be in the mountain or in jerusalem and then he says you won't worship you worship you know not what we know what we worship for salvation is of the jews um, verse 23 but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the father in spirit and in truth for the father seeketh such to worship him god is a spirit And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So he did not answer the question directly, as where to worship. But we know that, like if you think of, you know, the spiritual realm, out there, it's not um, confined to a certain place and time necessarily. Like they can just kind of be everywhere. Um, And we do know that the Lord is everywhere, and it says here that the Lord is a spirit. And so it doesn't matter where we are, we can worship the Lord anywhere we are, any place, any time. We just need to do it in truth and in spirit. How do we get our spirit involved in worship? And what does truth have to do with worship? I guess I already kind of um, explained that a little bit. Those are some questions that... um, I'll leave with us. How do we get our spirit involved in worship? <clears throat> uh, I want to read in First Samuel. Last passage here. Read words from Hannah. In First Samuel one, uh, no, sorry, two. First Samuel two. Uh, one through ten. So, we looked previously at Hannah and her husband, I guess, worshiping the Lord. And now here, after she'd had her son, and she brought him to the temple, the other end of chapter 1, then Hannah prayed and said, This is in chapter 2. My heart rejoiceth in the Lord. Mine horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. So just an example of worship and just notice the attitude of her heart in this. She saw the Lord, it seemed like. There is none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside thee, neither is there any rock like our God. Talk no more so exceedingly proudly. Let not arrogance come out of your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty men are broken, and they that stumbled are girded with strength. So the the mighty are broken, and those that are broken are made whole. They that were full have hired out themselves for bread, and they that were hungry ceased, so that the barren hath borne seven, and she that hath many children is waxed feeble. The Lord killeth and maketh alive. He bringeth down to the grave and bringeth up. It's just all over. She's acknowledging how powerful God is. He can do anything. He, he's just the ultimate um, king, the ultimate power. The Lord maketh poor and rich. <clears throat> he bringeth low and lifteth up. He raiseth up the poor out of the dust and lifteth up the beggar from the dunghill to set them among princes and to make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he has set the world upon them. He will keep the feet of his saints, and the wicked shall be silent in darkness. For by strength shall no man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Out of heaven shall he thunder upon them. The Lord shall judge the ends of the earth. And he shall give strength unto his king, and exalt the horn of his anointed. So I guess um, for me, I was um, maybe challenged, I was challenged in this to take time to meditate and to worship the Lord, not just, you know, come to God in prayer and tell him thank you and to be with all the people that have needs and, you know, help me have a good day to be good, but to worship the Lord in prayer and to communicate with him in that way. So preparation of worship is in our hearts, it's inside, it's an attitude, a desire to lift God up and to exalt him, and true worship reveals itself in the whole of life, because of the revealing of our faith, it reveals itself in all of life, and a side benefit is it causes others to worship too, when we worship the Lord. God bless you with that.